Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. All right. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is John uh, Cosman. Uh, John, let's start by giving everyone sort of uh, a little bit of a background to you, who you are, uh, what you do, and then we'll we'll get into it. Absolutely, Glenn. Hey, listen, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. And I want to say hello to all of your listeners, whether this is the morning, the afternoon or the evening when you're listening, checking us out. Uh, feel free to keep doing whatever it is you're doing, but uh, hopefully you get some great value out of this conversation. Uh, for me, my background is really easy. You know, I spent 15 years in corporate America doing marketing and advertising for big brands, uh, companies and brands you've heard of like Nike, Coors Light, Mountain Dew. I was at General Motors working on Buick and GMC and Pontiac back when that brand was alive. Uh, and I did that. And ultimately, I started to transition from that into real estate because I was at GM when we went through bankruptcy. And that experience just showed me that I needed something else because whether it was the market, the economy, politics, at some point, I wasn't going to be in control of my future, you know, playing the corporate game. And I just wanted to have a fail safe and real estate became that. And slowly over time, it went from being kind of my backup plan to, hey, if I do this full time, this gives me the time flexibility I want. This gives me the financial freedom I'm looking for. And it actually allows me to partner with other people to help solve those same issues for them. So that's what I ended up doing. Went full time about three years ago. And to date, we have partnered with others to invest in over $100 million worth of apartments. That's awesome. He also runs a podcast is how I how I learned it. I don't know. It's my first time actually talking to John, but that's how I, <laughs> I learned about John is through the, the podcast way. Um, so actually, since I'm just bringing up the podcast thing before we get going, um, you used to have you changed the name of your podcast. Yeah. Why, why would you do that? <laughs> well, great question. So the podcast is now called Multifamily Insights. It's available anywhere you listen to podcasts. And the reason we changed to Multifamily Insights was we just felt it more succinctly described what the show was about. When I launched the show, it was called Target Market Insights. And that show was focused on helping investors find the best places to invest. And you asked a great question. Well, why would I change? Well, part of it is the show evolved. When I first started this show, it was really locked in on how to find the best places to invest. I would bring on guests. I would talk to them about markets, macro markets, you know, MSAs. I would talk to them about sub markets. What are you looking for? What should I be looking for when you're setting boundaries for comps? Like, how do you know where to stop? Is it by zip code? Is it by census tract? Is it by, you know, the, uh, you know, transportation, lakes, rivers, highways? Like, really, like, what are you all looking at? And the, incent, the, the whole intent was by talking to enough of these professionals, we would be able to have a blueprint to find the best place to invest in any market. You know, I could look at the macro data from, you know, any, any market, then I would know how to go into the sub market and find the best places to invest. And that would help me. Now, selfishly, <laughs> I did that because I was starting to invest out of market, right? So you got a lot of Canadian listeners who are investing in the U.S. And that was a situation I was in. I was in Chicago. I had only invested in Chicago up to that point, but the deals in Chicago no longer made sense. And I had to get into a different market. I was looking at Cincinnati, but I couldn't invest the same way, right? Like in Chicago, just by living there, you know where the neighborhoods are. You know where people are looking to move to next. You know you can look at this neighborhood that's hot, but hey, this adjacent neighborhood is starting to get more and more traction. It was really difficult for me to do that in other markets. So when I looked at Cincinnati as my market, Cincinnati, Ohio, 
Uh, it was really hard to figure out well, what parts of Cincinnati. And, you know, you'd have some people tell you all oh, the West side, that's where all the deals are. And a lot of people tell you East side, that's where people really want to live. And that's where the appreciation is. Okay. Well, now how do I define East side and West side? Like what specifically is East side? So there's all those little tangible things. And then on the East side, well, where, right? Like, are we talking here and there? So the show helped me identify that and helped me get a blueprint. The change came because that was really finite and it limited the kind of conversations I could have. So after about 20 or 30 episodes, I felt like we had a pretty good answer to how to find the best places to invest. Yeah. And the conversations I was having that really started to intrigue me were more about either marketing and branding, right? How to find deals, how to find investors, how to grow a brand, how to, de to develop, you know, strong broker relationships, you know, how to analyze deals when you're buying a 200 unit apartment complex and you've never done that, right? Those things really started to kind of capture my attention more. And I didn't want the show to get stale. So for me, it was like, how do we evolve the show? But as you evolve the show, it's like, well, this name no longer captures the essence of what we're doing. Yeah. And then quite frankly, uh, it wasn't really SEO friendly, right? From a search engine optimization standpoint, no one was typing in target market insights or how to find you know, target markets, right? So people are trying to figure out how to invest in multifamily. So that kind of made it a little bit easier for someone to find the show. Yeah. I get it though, but I like it. There's a lot of value there too, especially for these Canadians, right? We obviously don't know the market. We're not living in those <laughs> markets. So there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of value to that too. Um, but I, I get it. I get it. And, but other, there's also the, the, you know, the, the niches, right? Just being very niche. And, um, you know, for me, whenever I started investing in the States, I was like just checking out, like, um, I want to invest in Alabama. So I wanted to like find podcasts on all the different yeah. cities in Alabama to see what was, what was good and what worked and everything else. Right. So anyway, I get it. Um, you said one thing right there, like, you know, you're, you're looking to buy a 200 unit building, never done that before. How do you do that? Um, you, you just had that in, your, in, your, in the little spiel there. Um, I think that resonates, right? I think that resonates with a lot of people. Um, a lot of Canadians now they're listening to the show. They've, they've bought a couple houses down there, uh, maybe some small multis and they're looking the next step. Like what, how do they go? What do they do next? What, how do they grow this to be something, something bigger, a little bit. Uh, typically I, the way I look at it anyway, is if you're going to go do um, maybe three or four single family homes, it's just as much as just doing a 200 unit building. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. just scale this up. So anyway, let's talk about that a little bit. Well, hey, scaling a portfolio is the thing that is, it's the reason you're listening to this, right? You're either in one of two stages. You're either A, a complete beginner who's never bought a property or you've never bought this type of property. So you're trying to figure out, hey, how do I do it, right? What do I look for? What are the you know red flags? How do I do this? But if you have some experience, even buying one, you're like, okay, I know I can just repeat that. But the second question is now, well, how do I scale this? How do I replicate this in mass so that it's not just, you know, one unit at a time or two units at a time, or whatever it is. So those are the reasons you listen to podcasts like this, either a, you're a beginner, you're trying to learn, or B, you're trying to figure out how to scale. And the scaling is really challenging, but the clues are there. And one of the things that I would tell people, particularly if you are looking to get into multifamily, you have to understand that it is a team sport. And I know that sounds like a bit cliche, and it is, but it's also true because you cannot scale by yourself. You know, there's only so much you can do and take on. And that stress and the amount of work it takes is it's just a lot. And if you're anything like me, 
you're investing in real estate to get more freedom, right? More financial freedom, more time freedom. So if you do this without bringing on partners or trying to do it all by yourself, what you're going to be doing is picking up another job. And it's going to be the opposite of that time freedom you're looking for. You're going to be, you know, punching the clock from nine to five and then from five to nine. So partnerships are key. And it doesn't mean that these have to be lifelong business partners. You may partner with a group like ours or another group that's out there. You can have one partner where maybe you have a specific skill set and they have another skill set, right? So sometimes you see people JV, you know, joint venture where maybe one person brings the money and they've got a little bit of experience and the other person has a time and the energy and maybe some more experience to actually manage the day-to-day things. So there are lots of different ways, but I think there are three ways that I've seen people be able to scale a multifamily portfolio. Okay. One is they do the joint venture, like we talked about. There's where you find someone else who has, you know, complementary skill set and you partner with them to grow. Two, you can invest passively in a larger deal. That way you can, you know, put your money to work. It doesn't really take up too much of your time. And then you can decide what you want to do from there. You can continue to do it passively, or you can go to three, which is now you move over to the active side and you partner with groups, but you play more of an active role. So either you're leading it, you're bringing people together, maybe you're helping to raise money and you're doing some market analysis or some other things like that, but you're now a part of a team that's investing. But if you do one of those three things, again, they all require you to work with other people, but that's an easier way to scale. If you really want to do it by yourself, you can, but it just takes more time. And then you're only allowed to do whatever you have in your bank account. If you got $200,000 saved up, that's what you have to invest. Versus if you're partnered with other people, well, now you can tap into the funds they have. You can couple that money together and it affords you more opportunities to scale from there. Yeah, love it. You mentioned team sport. Um, doing the the one to four units, you're going to have, you know, your typical, you know, property managers, contractors, you, you know, the, the, the regular sort of team. What different members are you going to have by doing a, a larger multi? When I started investing in the U.S., I did it by myself and had to go through the growing pains of doing that. GlennSutherland.com slash coaching. A 12-week coaching program done one hour per week over Zoom from the comfort of your own home. Classes are kept to five people to be able to answer everyone's questions. Shortcut the process. Make fewer mistakes. Curriculum available at GlennSutherland.com slash coaching. Yeah, that's a great question. So obviously you might have a partner who is in the business with you. So outside of that, uh, one you're going to need is a securities attorney, right? Um, you want to have an operational agreement. You want to have, you know, a securities attorney draw up what's called a PPM or private placement memorandum. And that's going to be the document that any passive investors have. That's going to detail the actual offering to them. What's the deal? what's happening, the deal structure, how they get paid, all those kind of things, that's going to be laid on that document. So you want to have a securities attorney. Um, you're going to want to have your lender. Now, you, you need a lender for any deal or most deals if you're not paying cash. But in the commercial space, those lenders are a little bit different because the terms are going to be different. Now you're not getting a 30-year mortgage, which you would get on a one to four unit. In this case, you're usually going to get a three or five or 10 your mortgage on the property. So you have to have a plan that you know allows you to exit that property or be able to refinance. So you want to have either a lender or mortgage broker, someone like that on your team who can help you identify what the best terms are. So, so many people focus on rates and rates are certainly important, but they are not the only thing. You want to know the terms. Is there a prepayment penalty? 
Um, you know, are there renewal options? There's a lot of different things you need to understand with the terms beyond just what's the interest rate. So you want to have a mortgage broker on your team, securities attorney. Uh, we talked about property manager, any contractors. Um, I think the other role that's really, really important is you're going to need a really good CPA, right? You want a good CPA, accountant, somebody to keep your books clean, particularly if you are working with other investors, because you're going to have to give them what's called a K-1. And the K-1 is just like any other business. And when you have a K-1, that is what goes to those investors. So that shows them what they earned, what they made, and then what they're going to pay taxes on. So you want to have a good CPA that helps you navigate that. And along with the CPA, you may have other things like um, a cost segregation analysis or someone on your team who's able to help you figure out how to actually maximize the, the tax results and optimize that for the property. So again, whether that's a cost seg analysis, sometimes a CPA can do both, but you want to have great lawyers, great CPAs, uh, and then obviously any great um, loan brokers on your team. With your deals, do you use a sponsor ever to help you like apply uh, for some of these things, especially when you're new? Yeah, we've played different roles and I would definitely suggest having a sponsor or somebody with more experience on your side. So if you're starting out, Again, you want to make sure that you have a strong team. So a sponsor makes sense for us. Uh, it depends on the size of the deal, but we may partner with someone else and bring them on board. Uh, but definitely a sponsor is one of those roles. Uh, said it a little differently, there's a, a title called a key principal. And essentially, that may be somebody who has a, a much higher net worth and liquidity, and they're willing to sign on a loan. Um, but again, that goes back to the partnership, right? Who do you need on your team? That may be a role that you need. Maybe you don't need that. So those are kind of things you figure out based on where you may have some gaps. Yeah, exactly. And for especially for us as Canadians, it's well, especially at the start, it's really recommended because now you're probably bringing on an American. So it's, that's going to be a lot easier <laughs> to make your financing work. And then you're going to bring on someone who ideally has, you know, about set thousands of doors uh, to work with you. You're going to give a big piece of the pie away, but it's going to, help you be able to, it's going to make your life a lot easier at the same time. And it's, it's a give and take, right? Yeah. And, and to your point, I, mean, I think it also helps to understand where you're at, where you're going. Uh, a lot of people are in a rush to, you know, lead a deal or, or drive a deal. And I think the, the more prudent way is to build up your own experience and credibility over time. So like, if this is your very first deal, well, why do you want to lead it? Like, wouldn't you want to partner with somebody who's led it so you can learn while you earn and be a part of it as opposed to driving it by yourself? Like be a passenger a couple of times. It's okay to be a passenger a couple of times and then figure it out and get comfortable and get the hang of it and understand how things are supposed to work. And then maybe when you drive, have that person now in the passenger seat next to you so they can point out stuff. Hey, slow down. You see this thing right here? You know, you want that person next to you, right? Yeah. So maybe do it that way as opposed to just first deal, I'm going to do this thing all by myself just to prove I can't. This is not the time to prove you can do it by yourself. This is the time to, if you want to call it cheat or whatever you want to call it, this is the time to stack the deck so you have every possible chance to be successful and bringing experienced people around you helps you tremendously. So I would highly recommend you, whether it be through mentorship or partnership, surround yourself with people that can help you navigate the landscape so that you have every chance possible to be successful. Love it. So we were kind of going down the path of like, you're doing your first multifamily. What other things like should they do? Because I've just been going through a lot of this myself, right? I've been doing, doing some coaching myself, uh, taking coaching and doing coaching for other people. Because, you know, you're never the pro at anything or everything, right? Um, so um, 
back to that. So if you're going to do uh you're going to this the first time, um, what kind of steps should you be doing? Should you just be showing up and just starting to do deal analysis uh, right off the bat? Or wh where do you sort of start if you want to build into the, going to this multifamily thing? Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be a little different for every person, right? But I would say first you want to do a, you know, a, an inventory check on yourself, right? Uh, where are you strong? You know, whether it be SWOT analysis, but where are you strong? Uh, where do you have some weaknesses? Where do you have some opportunities? Where will you need some help, right? Maybe you are a high net worth individual, but you've got a busy, demanding full-time job, right? Well, in that case, you may need somebody who has more of a time freedom there. They can commit to putting in some of the work or do some of the heavy lifting, right? If you're bringing more of the money to the table, maybe it's the opposite way. Maybe you've got the time, but you don't really have the money. So figure out what you need. And then you want to start positioning yourself to fill those gaps. Uh, I think there are three things that are true. I normally talk about this in the sense of, attracting capital for deals, but I think this is very true in the same instance. There are three things you need to be a successful investor. One, you're going to need confidence and that confidence is going to come from putting in the work. So you have to know your stuff. Even if you're a complete newbie, you have to be you know, in there learning, listening, reading, doing everything you can so that you can educate yourself and be confident in what it is you're doing. Because if you're going to approach someone about a partnership, well, it's a two-way street. Why would they want to partner with you? And if you just listen to, you know, me and Glenn talk and decided, hey, I want to go out there and put deals together and, you know, you start talking to them and they realize you don't really know anything and you haven't really taken the time to invest in your own education. Well, they're probably not going to take you seriously. They're certainly not going to want to partner with you. So that confidence comes from actually putting in the work. You may not have the track record and credibility to justify it. But if you're showing people that you're putting in the work and you know how to analyze a deal and you know what you're seeing in the marketplace, they're going to see that hunger and they're going to respect that. So that confidence is key. The second one's going to be credibility. Credibility comes from either your track record or the experience you have or the team you've accumulated that has that track record and experience. Again, you have to have some humility here to recognize what you have done and why people should believe in you, whether that's a broker, whether that's an investor, whether that's anybody else on the team. They're going to want to look at you and say, why should we believe this is going to be successful? If I'm a broker, you have to understand brokers get paid when the deal closes. So why would I give you my deal of a century, even a decent deal, if I don't believe you can close? And the way you're going to convince me that you can close is you're going to say, hey, here's my track record. And if you don't have a great track record or a long track record, you're going to say, here's my team. And here's my team's track record. Right. So if you can show people, here's what we've done. Here's why you should believe in us, because this is the team that's going to be taking this down. That's going to help you build that credibility, whether you're talking to brokers, other team members, potential investors, that credibility is key. And then a third C is going to be connections. You're going to need to talk to people and it can't just be your friends and family. You've got to extend beyond them to the people who are really looking for what it is you're trying to do. Again, you got to have key broker relationships. You're going to have to have key professional relationships from property managers, um, you know, maintenance contractors, industry professionals, investors. You know, those investors are they, they may not be your your mom, your aunt, your uncle, your cousin, your brother. It's great if you get some of those people. But the reality is, if you can step outside of them and realize who else needs those services, that's going to be the key. Just like you, Glenn, right? You've got your podcast here, a Canadian investor in the U.S., and there are other Canadians who are investing in the U.S. My guess is those individuals are more likely to want to partner with you because there's a connection there. They see what you're doing and they know how you can help them than somebody in your, your family, right? Maybe they get it, but maybe they don't. 
maybe they just know you as their their goofy uncle, right, or whatever it is. But that person who's been listening to you, they're like, you know what, this guy understands my challenge. You know, I feel like there's a connection. I've been listening to him for some time now, and that's going to be easier. So those connections are made by putting yourself out there. You got to talk to people. You got to have a platform. You got to find a way to let people know what it is that you do so they know, oh, there's a chance that I can work with this guy. If they don't know they can work with you, they're probably not just going to wake up one day and say, hey, man, let's work together. Like they need to know this is what you do. Here's where you could use help or here's how you help people and then see what's in it for them. And they can recognize, hey, this guy can help me invest in the U.S. Well, now they're going to be more likely to reach out versus, you know, if you just call them and say, hey, you know, I'm buying these properties. Do you want to invest with me? So if you could have your confidence, your credibility and those connections and expanding those connections, that's going to really set you up for success. Yeah. And I know both of us kind of do the the same sort of technique where we're having podcasts and um, instead of having to, you know, try to sell stuff, we can just allow people to come to us as a, a little bit more authentically. Um, for people who don't have a podcast, what are, what are some other platforms or ways that they could reach out to, to, to build their network of people who invest with them? That's a great question, right? Uh, I have people who ask me this all the time, and uh, I think we're talking about coaching just a little bit there, right? But yeah. I have coaching clients as well. And some of them say, well, I don't want to do a podcast. Like, You don't have to do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Understand this, let's step back. The goal is not to do a podcast or to be uh, you know, some, some, some influencer or some public figure. Like, That's not the goal, okay? What we're trying to do is we're trying to figure out who is it that we can help and how do we let them know what it is that we do. You can do that a multitude of ways. First of all, you can do it through conversations, right? You can pick up the phone and just start calling people you know. You can do it through social media, right? You can post on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn and share what you do and how it's working and what you know. You can do, uh, again, podcasts like this. You can do a blog. You can do a meetup. Let's say you really love hosting people. Maybe you do events and you host meetups and you get people to come out and you talk to them about, again, deals or real estate investing, whatever the case would be. So the, the platform is not as important as some people think it is. There are certain advantages for sure, right? So one advantage to doing a podcast, I'm sitting here in my home office. I'm assuming you're in you know, either your home office or your work office. Yep. And we can record this and we can hit the, the publish button. And it goes out to thousands and thousands of listeners. And it's out there on the interwebs forever, right? Yep. So that's the beauty. If I do an event, well, the event is only you know relevant to the people who show up, right? So there's pros and cons to that as well. Uh, on this, I don't know who listens. I don't get a list of every listener and their email address and their phone number and, you know, uh, all those kind of facts, right? So I have no clue who's listening to this unless someone reaches out to me. If I'm hosting an event, I'm normally getting a registration. I'm normally getting an email address. I'm normally getting a, I'm able to sit across from that person and for them to get to know me and ask me questions and we can build trust and some rapport. So there's pros and cons. So I would say, first and foremost, what are you good at? Are you good at talking? Are you good at listening? Are you good at hosting? Are you good at writing? Figure out what it is you're good at and you enjoy. What platforms do you enjoy? And focus on those things. But understand this really important fundamental thing. The goal is to make connections and build relationships. That's it. You're not trying to sell someone. You're not trying to convince someone. You're trying to let people know Again, who you are, what you do, how you might be able to help them. And you have a lot of different ways of doing that, but it has to start from an authentic connection. So podcasts are great. Meetups are great. Blogs are great. 
but you've got to find a way to make connections with people. So any of that works, it just really comes down to you and what you prefer. And then obviously there's only so many people you can reach if you're doing phone calls, right? If you're going to do phone calls, well, you got to call them all yourself. Right. But again, if we can do a piece of content, maybe it goes, you know, get spread around, it goes viral. You get some people in your newsletter. Now it's a little easier to create it one time and publish it and push it versus, you know, trying to call everybody you've ever met to talk to them about investing. Yeah. Which has the personal touch, but the doing say a podcast or something like that would be scalable. You don't have to go have, you know, 4,000 conversations. You could put out the information, more people could digest it at once and filter it out right off the start. I love it. Yeah. And one other thing, you can you don't have to come up with your own podcast. You could leverage my podcast. You can come on as a guest, you know? <laughs> but uh, That's exactly it, yeah. John, um, before I let you go, uh, you want to talk about your company, what you offer, uh, how people can get a hold of you, uh, and then we'll uh, wrap this up. Yeah, real, real quick, I want to build on the last comment. Yeah, no, though. don't do when it. When you're when you're reaching out to people, all that stuff, right? All that stuff works from a strategic standpoint, but the bottom line is you have to give value to people. Oh yeah, and that's one thing that you have to understand. You have to understand them. You know what do they need? What are they you know looking for? And how do I give them value? And if you understand that, and you do it in a way where you're truly filling a need you'll be successful because you'll be solving a problem that they have. So as, as one quick example here, one of the things with our meetups is those people who come to the meetup are usually earlier on in their career and they're looking to scale, right? Hey, I've got a two unit or I got these two, you know, properties. How do I get from two or four units to 20 units? That's what they're trying to get. So we bring on people who have done that and we will do an interview and we'll get a chance to talk to them and ask them questions. Well, Hey, how did you get funding when, you know, you went from here or, Hey, I only have X amount of dollars. How did you go from here to there? And now they're getting the answers, right? So I'm giving them real value because they're able to talk and listen to somebody who did exactly what it is they're trying to do. Yeah. So if you can add value to people, now it becomes much easier for them to draw that connection. The value exchange is there and I'm going to build a better relationship with you because you've added value to me. So value is really the key. If you are trying to connect with people, figure out what they need and how can you help them get it? Um, as far as connecting with me and go back to the value thing, yeah. we put together a sample deal package because we found that um, a lot of people will get really excited when they start thinking about multifamily and scaling up and partnering with other people. But if the first thing you see is a deal, it may be a lot to try to take in at one time. So whether you are trying to put together your own deals or you're thinking about investing passively, you can check out our sample deal package that will just give you some sense of like terminology and deal structure and how we highlight key things about a market and what we're looking for. And it just helps you get a better sense of what to expect or what you should be looking for when you are looking at a deal. So you can get that at casmancapital.com slash sample deal. Um, one thing about us is we do focus more on the Midwest and the Southeast region for investing. Um, we love multifamily B-class apartment buildings. So if you are interested in that on our website, you'll have an opportunity to sign up uh, to get added to our new investor list as well. But I think one of the easiest things you could do, it's completely free, so no cost to you. Uh, but just check out that sample deal package and that will get you on our email list. We give you tips on what we look for in deals and whether it's with us or with someone else, we'll give you other tips on what to look for and kind of those red flags that may give you pause if you are exploring an opportunity. I love it. John, thank you for coming on the show. There's a, there's a lot of value in this one. I think there's a lot of, a lot of takeaways that people can uh, actually apply to what they're doing. Absolutely. Hey, I'm so excited. I'm glad you allowed me to come on today and I hope all your listeners 
take that and just take action. I think that's the biggest thing, right? We can listen to these shows and get inspired and get fired up, but you've got to take action. It's something as easy as we get downloading our sample deal package, leaving a rating and review for Glenn and this great podcast. Those are easy things you can do to start building relationships and start to take little actions that take no time. I think it's easy to, to in our minds, we think, okay, well, I need to go buy an apartment now. Well, the next step is usually going to be something really simple, like email a broker or email a potential team member, or again, leave a like rating or review for this show and maybe reach out to them and say, Hey man, appreciate, you know, what you've been doing. Love to learn more about what you're right. So those are the things that you can do without making this thing like a, a huge monster of a task that you've got to take on next. So do something small now so that you are making progression in your investing journey. I love that. Little steps that you grow into big things. Th thanks again, John. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Glenn.